0: In just a few short months, we will be going to the polls for the 2018 midterm elections. When we walk into that voting booth, do we know that our vote will count, and will it be counted correctly? We've all heard about the possibility of Russians hacking the 2016 election, but there are other threats as well. Although technology has made our lives easier in many ways, there are limits to its use. Most experts agree that it's nearly impossible to create a computerized voting system that would be completely secure. Today on Episode Six of Hyperlink Radio, we're talking with an expert on how to make our voting system secure. All this and more today on Hyperlink Radio. Hyperlink is hyperlink. Hyperlink is. Instant connection. Connection. Think. connection. That awesome. Information. The no, I, think I, do I think. thoughts, get a Connection. connection. connection.
1: connection.
0: connection. connection. And welcome to Season 2 of Hyperlink Radio, Episode 6. I'm today's host, Karen Beattie. Hyperlink Radio is a biannual series of podcast episodes that explores how we connect with each other, with our technology, and with the world around us. We are proudly produced by Winning Edits, which publishes the biannual magazine Hyperlink, Find us online at winningedits.com and get the latest episodes of Hyperlink Radio by subscribing via iTunes, Stitcher, or RSS. Visit hyperlinkradio.io to learn more. Again, that's hyperlinkradio.io. We're talking about the security of our voting systems. I've voted in many elections with many different types of voting machines in my adult life. I've used ballots that required me to color in an oval next to the name of the candidate and put the ballot into an optical scanner. I've also used a punch card ballot, punching a hole next to the candidate's name. And years ago, when I was a newly minted American voter, I vaguely remember entering a voting booth where I pushed down levers next to a candidate's name on a big metal machine. But in the 2016 presidential election, I used a touchscreen to cast my ballot. And when I finished, I wondered, is this secure? Will my vote be counted correctly? Can someone hack these machines and change my vote? In light of the possibility of Russians hacking our election in 2016, these are valid questions. Today we're talking to an expert, Barbara Simons, president of Verified Voting, a nonpartisan organization that advocates for accuracy and verifiability of elections. I interviewed Barbara a few months back about how we can make sure our votes are counted correctly so they really count. Do we really need to go back to paper ballots? Are computerized voting systems ever secure? How prepared are we for the 2018 midterm elections? Listen in on our conversation as we discuss these topics and more. Barbara, welcome to the Hyperlink Podcast. I'd like to start our conversation by asking you how you became interested in voting systems and our election process in the U.S.
1: I'm a computer scientist, and back in the early 2000s when there was a move in the United States to paperless voting machines, which means, well, are basically computer uh, computerized voting, uh, I, together with um, most of my colleagues, was appalled at the idea that anybody would think that you could trust computers enough to have paperless machines because we know that computers can have software bugs, um, software, I mean, programs will have software bugs, and it's also possible to have a hidden malicious code that could be used to uh, modify election results.
0: So can you tell me currently how many states in the U.S. use paperless voting?
1: Well, five, sure. states, five states are entirely paperless, and another nine states are partially paperless. That means in 14 states, it's impossible to do a recount. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are significant. For example, um, Georgia, which just as you know, had this major election uh, where I think 50 million dollars was spent for you know mm-hmm. seats, is entirely paperless, deepled machines that we've known how to rig since 2006. okay um and Pennsylvania which is um you know a contest a heavily contested state 80% of the people in Pennsylvania are forced to vote on insecure obsolete paperless voting machines that that, that should have been recycled for junk a long time ago of parts so so Pennsylvania is partially paperless it's 80% paperless Georgia's entirely paperless And those are just two examples. I would say in terms of Internet voting, I believe 32 states allow some form of Internet voting. Most most of them are um, limited to military and overseas voters. So in most cases it's a small number of voters who can cast their ballots over the internet, but even so in a very close race that could make a difference.
0: I live in Chicago in Cook County, Illinois, and in the two thousand sixteen election I used a touch screen voting machine. Is that considered paperless voting?
1: Was there um a a roll of paper on this because there are things called so the the, the touch screen machines are called Voter-verified, I mean, they're called direct recording electronic machines, Right. DREs. Right. Um, and um, when they first came out, most of them were paperless. There was no paper. Now, uh, because we yelled and screamed, the computer science community and verified voting in particular, um, a lot of, I'm, I'm looking up, uh, was a DRE with a VPAT. Now, VPAT is Voter-Verified Paper Audit Trail. And what that is, is a continuous roll thermal printed paper on the side somewhere. And you didn't notice it, which is typical. Uh, okay. in principle, you're supposed to look at that and make sure that it accurately recorded your vote because in the event of a recount or an audit, the paper is what should be used. But most people okay. don't look at it. Most people don't look at it. So, so in fact, uh, you know, It's really not a good technology. You really need to move to all paper ballots. Now, part of Cook County is all paper ballots, but you must be voting in the section where you had these DREs.
0: Among voting systems experts, is the general consensus that optical scanners are the most secure voting systems because they leave a paper trail?
1: Yes, but. So um, the but is because any computer is vulnerable to to hacking or to... um, in, you know, insider fraud. There are lots of problems that, that you can be confronted with with, with uh, computers. Uh, mm-hmm. So we actually, when we talk about this, we don't talk about paper trail. We talk about paper ballots. So okay. we voted on in sixteen had a paper trail. It wasn't they weren't ballots. So a paper ballot is where you fill out the ballot like you did before with the broken ballot, right. broken arrows. Right. And once you, when you do have paper ballots, that means you can. <clears throat> Excuse me. Easily do a recount or an audit, a post-election ballot audit, but you have to do that with optical scans because the optical scans have computers in them, and mm-hmm. so again, you've got to check on the computers. So the good news is, with that kind of system, with the paper ballot system, you can check on the computers. With In theory, you you can check on check on them with these uh, voter-verified paper audit trails as well. But those are very kludgy. A lot of people don't even look at them as like you. I mean, you know, you're typical, and, and you didn't even know it was there. So, you know, that's typical. So they're right. not very reliable. And, and, and really, and they're bad technology, uh, they should all be replaced with paper ballots using optical scans.
0: What are the barriers to going back to paper ballots? Well, the barriers, um,
1: there are a couple. One is money. So um, you know, it costs money to bring in new systems. Although paper ballots-based systems are cheaper if you if you're buying them new than DRE-based systems. But so it's going to cost money to to get rid of the old systems. Um, and I guess the other is there's some resistance uh, on the part of some election officials uh, and others. Although by and large these days, I mean the the areas that still have these. DREs, the direct recording electronic machines or the touchscreen machines, those machines tend to be old and Mm falling apart. So a lot of election officials who maybe in the earlier days would have uh, not been enthusiastic about replacing them with paper ballots uh, are quite keen now to get new systems in. And they would be happy with, I think, with, with, you know, they would not necessarily be opposed to paper ballots, but it's an issue of getting the resources.
0: In the future, do you think any computerized voting system will be secure?
1: Well, maybe. I mean, there's work that's been done using encryption, but I can tell you that as of now, none of the commercially available systems is secure, and they, none of them should be used. They're all insecure. Uh-huh. And I actually find it a little bit uh, surprising that anybody who follows the news and sees how uh, how many uh company, you know, banks, corporations, government agencies and so on have been broken into would 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 ever imagine that election officials who have much less in the way of um support than, say, a large uh-huh. bank does in security support and security expertise. I mean, election officials tend to be underfunded and overworked, and that these folks would be able to protect their systems from an attack, especially by a well-funded uh, na- uh, opponent nation state or enemy nation state. Uh, it's, it's, it's asking them to do the impossible, and, uh, you know, I, I don't fault them at all. It's just that they don't have the resources, and even if they did, it would be very difficult because we've seen... Uh, as I say, banks that have a, that spend a lot of money on security sometimes get successfully attacked. So right. uh, it's very right. hard. It, it's very hard to mm-hmm. protect. And and that's why we need these paper ballots because you cannot attack a paper ballot using cyber. You can, there's, no cyber attack will work on a paper ballot, right? it's <laughs> just a paper mm-hmm. ballot. It's yeah. not online. Right. You know, you just got this paper ballot, and and so you know that the paper ballot hasn't been attacked. You. Can't entirely trust the optical scans, but if you check the optical scans using the paper ballot as a check, af- you know, after the election, you do a post-election ballot audit check. Um, you know, you can, can you can convince yourself that the results are correct using uh, right. a statistically um, statistically valid check. Mm-hmm. You don't have to you don't have to do a total recount. You can random. You, you can select some ballots at random, and check them against what the com, what the computer in the optical scan thinks. And uh, you know, if you don't find any problems, if you ch- you know, if you start off with the right number of ballots, you'll you you, you know, with very high confidence, you can uh, you would know that the results are correct. If you do start seeing problems, you look at more ballots, and if there are enough problems, uh, you may end up doing a total manual recount. But mm-hmm. that, you know, hopefully, that would not tend to happen very often, Um, but in any case, you have that check, and you can also do a total recount if you want to. You have the ballots, and they can't be hacked.
0: Going back to the 2016 election, how can we, as Americans, be sure that our votes were counted correctly? Well, the only
1: way they can be sure that they're recorded accurately is if they vote on paper ballots, and then there's a um, a mandatory post-election ballot audit that checks on the computers that counts them. That's the only way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the... And that is the solution. I mean, it's a very simple solution. It's not that expensive. It's simple. Paper ballots, people, you know, anyone who's taken an SAT knows how to fill these things out. Right. Um, you know, they're not, anyone who's voted absentee knows how to fill them out. They're, it's, not, it's not rocket science. It's going back. I mean, the problem is that people looked at Florida 2000 and said paper doesn't work. But that was the wrong conclusion. The conclusion should have been the inappropriate use of paper doesn't work because of those punch holes and so on. Mm -hmm. And then they introduced computers into the system. And again, it wasn't the fact that they were introducing computers into the system with these DREs. It was that the computers were inappropriately used. Just like the paper was inappropriately used, the computers Mm -hmm. were inappropriately used. People were counting Mm -hmm. on computers to always give the right answers and they didn't understand the risks. And I think right. after this you know after this last election, people are starting to wake up to the risks.
0: do you think the Russians were able to influence the two thousand and sixteen election well i mean they
1: I think it's acknowledged that they were able to influence it. What isn't uh a, what what remains uh, an open question is were they able to actually attack the system and uh and change and actually literally change votes? And there really hasn't been an adequate study done to determine whether or not that happened. So we mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, sure. What worries me is that because of 2016, it's obvious to um, the world, basically, that our elections are, are currently are vulnerable. And I worry about, you know, all kinds of possible uh, attacks coming from Russia, China, Iran, uh, mm-hmm. North Korea, ISIS... Criminal syndicates, political operatives. Uh, I mean, it's not just Russia that. I mean, and, and I and I hope there are people who are don't want to acknowledge that Russia was involved, and that's okay as long as they realize that there are threats coming from a multitude of co- countries now. Mm-hmm. And and while Russia may have, you know, may have appeared to favor the Republicans. Uh, it's not clear that North Korea would favor the Republicans, right? I mean, we don't know right, right. Mm-hmm. Who, who, what, what these countries, or even we don't know if Russia would favor the Republicans. We don't know, and 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 that's a terrible situation to be in. We don't want some other country determining the outcome of our elections. Right. That's the bottom line. And mm-hmm. if we don't get our act together and make our elections secure, I fear that will happen. It will happen. In, I mean, I think James James Comey was right that they, they will be back in 2018 and they'll be back in 2020. And mm-hmm. and that's just unconscionable. And it's a national security issue.
0: Do you think more federal officials in Congress, men and women, are now paying attention to the security of our voting systems?
1: Yes, I do. And I think it's uh, bipartisan. Um, mm-hmm. People on both sides of the aisle are paying attention because they understand uh, it doesn't matter who was attacked in 2016 if anybody is vulnerable Anybody could be vulnerable in, in f- future elections. That's not okay. And uh, and so it, it's in everybody's interest, and it's certainly in the interest of anyone who who is an American patriot, to make sure that our elections cannot be subverted by uh, a foreign power.
0: So how do we move forward? By, um, by
1: providing funding and legislation to change the way that we run our elections. We need to have paper ballots throughout the country, and we need um we need to have mandatory post election manual ballot audits wherever computers are used to tabulate the results and optical scans are computers, so we uh-huh. need to check on the computers because we just have to take the the, the perspective that all computers are vulnerable every single computer that 's used in an election is vulnerable. The beauty of paper ballots is that we can check on those computers. So I'm not saying mm-hmm. we should not use computers. I think computers can have a very positive role in in facilitating the counting of ballots. But we, we, just, we have to check on them.
0: It's my understanding that each state in the U.S. is in charge of its own voting systems. But do you think many of these decisions about security should come from the federal level? Well, I mean, it would be nice
1: if the federal government would... Um, Provide funding. I mean, that's what happened in 2002. Yeah. Is that the Help America Vote Act provided almost four billion dollars, uh, mm-hmm. much of which was used to purchase these computerized, these voting computers. Basically, is what they are. It's voting computers, yeah. and uh, and and now they are obsolete. They're falling apart. Some of them use software from the late from the early 2000s to even the late 1990s. Wow! And some <laughs> of the software is no longer being maintained by mm-hmm. like, by Microsoft and so on. And yeah. uh, I mean, your wow is correct. I mean, you don't know anybody, I'm sure, who has a computer from those days. And yet people are voting on, 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 on voting computers. that yeah. those days,
0: mm-hmm. And that's
1: just not acceptable.
0: How likely is it that the federal government will provide that funding?
1: Uh, that's hard for me to say. Um, yeah. I know it's difficult to get legislation through Congress, but I'm hoping that as more and more policymakers awaken to the threat that confronts all of us, this is, this is not a partisan issue. This is truly mm-hmm. not. This is truly a bipartisan or nonpartisan issue. Uh, everyone is 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 at risk, and therefore, it's in everyone's interest to make our system secure. And and yeah. and I think that I mean certainly there are people who are coming around to that view who didn't have that perspective before 2016. And uh, we at Verified Voting are going to do everything we can to encourage that both at the federal and the state levels. So we we are starting a campaign to work uh as i say at the federal level and there's work already going going on at the federal level. <clears throat> excuse me to try to get legislation passed. <clears throat> and even with legislation we would also need appropriations. So there's there's work going on and we also are going to be focusing at the state level because as you say uh The voting is is left to a lot of these decisions are left to the state, or in some cases, localities. And some states, you know, allow localities to make these choices. And so um, we don't want to wait for the federal legislation and federal funding to start working at the state level. So we are doing that now.
0: After my conversation with Barbara, it has become more and more apparent that Russia did interfere with the 2016 election. And so it's more important than ever that we each take action to make sure our voting systems are safe. To do that, you can start by finding out what systems are used in your state and county. Verifiedvoting.org has a tool called Verifier in its navigation menu that allows voters to find out what systems are used in their state and county. If your precinct uses paperless DREs or internet voting, contact your election officials and pressure them to switch to paper ballots. If we don't get our act together and make our elections secure, Barbara told me, she fears that hacking will happen again. And that's why we need paper ballots. No cyber attack will work on paper a ballot so this season we're sharing a link of the week at the end of each hyperlink radio episode and link of the week is an awesome corner of the internet that we've just discovered recently so today i'm going to share my link of the week which is a podcast that i adore it's called onbeing.org with krista tippett that's o-n-b-e-i-n-g.org And Krista Tippett is the host of the podcast and she has a master's degree of divinity and she's super smart and intelligent and I love all of her her interviews. But anyway, she started the podcast um, which originally was broadcast on NPR to provide a place where people could talk about spirituality, humanity, and the moral aspects of human life. So, like I said, she does these incredible interviews with scientists, poets, theologians, celebrities, you name it. But the common theme among all of these interviews is their depth and the exploration about what it makes what makes us human and what makes life meaningful. So some of her guests that I've really enjoyed have included psychologist and author Brene Brown, writer Mary Carr, poet Christian Wyman, who I love. Ta-Nehisi Coates, Satuwa Yo-Yo Ma, Desmond Tutu, well, you get the idea. So in one of her more recent episodes, she interviewed Naomi Shihab Nye, who is a poet and professor of creative writing at Texas State University. And she grew up in Ferguson, Missouri, and her father was a Palestinian, Palestinian refugee. So she straddles two cultures, and her family even went back to Palestine for a while But she has this whole theme of bringing cultures and different people together that runs through much of her work and her poetry. So, in this interview with Krista Tippett, she talks about how she believes that we're all, all of us are living in a poem, um, which I find really poignant. And she also says that language is a way out of animosity, um, which again, I think is a really poignant point in today's world where it seems like our country is splitting apart at the seams and we're so divided. In this episode, she read a poem called Kindness. It's one of her more famous poems, but I want to read it for you. It says, Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore, only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to gaze at bread only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. So I encourage you to check out the interview with Naomi Shihab Nye at onbeing.org. Join us next week for another episode of Hyperlink Radio, where a few of us will gather around the table for a lively discussion about some of our favorite things, including books, podcasts, articles, and more. Don't miss it next week on Hyperlink Radio. Thank you again for joining us today. To find out more about Hyperlink Radio, visit hyperlinkradio.io, where you can find show notes, bonus content, links, and other episodes from Season 2. To stay connected to Hyperlink Radio, subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or however you like to listen to podcasts. One more time, hyperlinkradio.io. Thanks again, and stay connected.